and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, 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 and welcome back to ESSR Central after a week's absence, because no one can do what I do, because I'm that damn good. Ross McLeod is back in the hosting chair, and I'm joined by a man who remembers when Christian was TNA champion the first time. That is to say, he's very, very old. He's Christmas. <laughs> How are you? Hey, Ross. How's it going? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've stroked my own ego. I've, I've taken you down a peg. That's what you get for being so nice to me. And hi, I'm feeling good. I'm a knob. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, how old I am, last night I went out for dinner with a voucher that I got for my 30th birthday. However, <laughs> I am currently pushing 32, so <laughs> got I really dined out on that quite literally. Um, <laughs> uh, I was uh, the guy was like, "Is there any special occasion you're out for tonight?" And I was like, "Well, kinda." <laughs> <laughs> well, before COVID ruined it, I turned 30. So he was like, happy belated birthday nonetheless. I was like, uh, thank, thank you. I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not too bad then. Um, so, obviously, we mentioned Christian Cage. That will be one of the main talking points. But, of course, we have a lot of talking points here at ESSR. We have news, reviews, interviews, previews. We have the lot. You can find it at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, that's at Suplex Retweet, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the lot. So, AEW launched a new show. Um, they've already got Dynamite, Dark, Dark Elevation. This is sort of like WCW launching worldwide at the minute here, Chris. But, yeah. You know, Rampage is meant to be the Thunder. Or sorry, the the SmackDown to WWE SmackDown, which is the Thunder in this case. It's yep. all it's all it's a very messy metaphor. But yes, AW launches Rampage, a very good viewing for the first episode, seven hundred and forty-four thousand viewers, and in the main event, Christian Cage wins the TNA slash impact slash global force slash cash for gold with Jeff Jarrett title from Kenny Omega. Not even the the main event, Ross, but the very first match on all of Rampage history. They didn't mess it out. Uh, I loved that they kicked off the show with this. Um, I, I was so hyped for that. that I, I don't know about you, this was the reason I watched Rampage. The, uh, the what do you call it, the, the cheap sell worked perfectly for me. So uh, I sat down to watch it. I, I have been on this show with you, I think four times now in recent times and, and every single one of them I was like, get the TNA belt off Kenny Omega, he doesn't work there. So what did they do? They got the belt off him and put it on another guy who doesn't work there. But nonetheless, <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed this. I feel like they may or may not have done this to sort of be like, oh, ha, 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 he was champion in WWE 10 years ago. Um, but nonetheless, I loved it. It was a feel-good moment, and I think the fans really enjoyed it, and it was a perfect way to kick off a new show. I would also like to throw in as well, I've been a vocal um, detractor of AEW's second shows. I've always said that I hated Dark, and I hated Dark Elevation even more, but this show has the potential to actually be something good. Like, this is a really good second show that they've got. Like, an hour-long show, three matches on it. You get a good bit of, like, storyline build-up to the next episode of Dynamite. I think this should supersede everything 
that happens on dark that they want fans to pay attention to and let dark be reduced to you know your wwe's velocity and uh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really into this. Um, my, my last little piece of information, did you see that there was more wrestling on the debut edition of Rampage than there was on this week's SmackDown? I didn't, but that does not surprise me, that fact. Um, you talk about, obviously, someone that doesn't work there, but Christian Cage, obviously, the history he has with Impact. Impact is how... Like, I, I was quite gutted when he left because I, I tended to take an interest, I don't know about you, but back in the day when Sky One had SmackDown on a Saturday morning, I took an interest in the SmackDown guy. SmackDown was my show. Christian gets moved there. He starts a wee feud with Booker T and he's in and amongst the world title feud, title picture, you know, he's in number one contender matches. I think he's doing quite well. He goes to Impact and that's where it's where I really started to notice him because Shout out to the likes of Power Slam and Fighting Magazine and all that, like all the old wrestling magazines. Because my cousin used to like get these magazines. He would collect them as if they were going out of fashion, and that's where I would see like, oh my God, Scott Steiner's still kicking about. Kevin Ash is about. Where is this magical place? And it was a magical place where Christian was champion, and they had their own version of Kane. He was called Abyss. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Christian Cage, I think everyone always agrees is Impact success was never replicated in WWE. Maybe WWE, ECW, but never never the main roster, certainly not with his world title runs. And it's good to see him back as, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's Impact Wrestling. He's the world champion there. And it's a name, that's the thing. Like Christian Cage has more of a crossover appeal, I think. I think more people know, from a casual perspective, who Christian is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I said the last time I was on Central with you, I'd watched Impact that week for the first time in God knows how long, and I just was amazed at how there weren't any stars. Like, I was just looking down the roster and just thinking, like, I, I I don't I don't rate any of these guys like guys like Willie Mac. Like, I was just like, what, how can we be expected to jump on these guys? But you can elevate your stars by having older guys be there and work with them, which is probably why we now this is where the timeline gets confusing. But this is probably why we are getting slash we have got <laughs> the main event and impact this week that we have got because it's uh you know a young well i say young up-and-comer a young up-and-comer in terms of impact and the form of brian myers going against the new champ christian that's a good thing that's you putting this you know veteran guy up against a guy that some of the fans might not know and it's a good way to get eyes on the product whereas before when it was just new daft young guy versus other daft new young guy it doesn't really work as well no absolutely i agree with that and like i am um, I always talk about, I need to start taking down notes of tweets because I, it sounds like I'm passing these tweets off as if it's my own note. I did see this on Twitter, it was someone else, but they were talking about the people who go to Impact, it's not Impact, sorry, AEW, and everyone that leaves at AEW wants to go here, there, wherever, but places like Major League Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and Impact were sort of gutted when WWE went on a recruitment drive and AEW started up. There was a war for talent and they had all the money. Then, you know, COVID hit and 
these people haven't been able to do live shows, which they rely on more than the likes of AEW and WWE. And it, the tweet said, why go there when you can go to an Impact or a Ring of Honor, be treated like a star, elevate yourself and others around you? And Brian Myers has done just that. His gimmick, the most professional wrestler, is something that I've really enjoyed. His back and forth with the former Zack Ryder, Mark, Matt Cardona, it's been really good. He's been a proper smarmy dickhead that he, <laughs> that, and I'm I'm going to be talking to a very niche audience here, that people might only have seen when he teamed with the former Tyler Rex on NXT before it was like what NXT is now. He he was a really good smarmy heel, laughing in the face of you know the authority that William Regal had and the likes of Matt Striker. So he's went to Impact and he has. He has used the fact that, as you said, there might not be many stars there, but he's got a following and he knows he's got a brand and he can build his character there. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned the main event this week, Impact Emergence this Friday, Christian versus Brian Myers for the Impact World title. There's also on the card, the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, defending the Impact World titles against Rich Swan and Willie Mack and Violent by Design, four men that's going to be two of either Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring, or Rhino. You've got Josh Alexander versus Jake something. That's literally his name, that's not me guessing. Um, <laughs> Petey Williams against Steve Macklin in a singles match. Steve Macklin, the former Steve Cutler of the Forgotten Sons and the Corbin's Lit Night stable. He never really got a chance to show what he could do in WWE. He's going up against Petey Williams that to me is an interesting match because it says to me Impact know he can work so I'll be keeping an eye on that match and then for a future shot at the Impact World title Fatal 4-Way, Sammy Callahan, Ace Austin, Moose and Chris Sabin. Yeah there's a lot going on on this show um, I'm quite excited for Violent by Design I haven't seen loads of them but I like their backstory I like that Joe Doring guy I think I mean, not by accident. He's a really good rip-off of Stan Hansen. Um, I like that they've somehow made Diener into not a jobber like he was in WWE CW. I like that Rhino's still kicking about and isn't done, which is amazing. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens in the tag match. I, I'm intrigued by this number one contenders match. I think that a lot of people online were not happy about Christian because they felt like that title should have went to Moose and I feel like a good match in future Impact shows whether that's pay-per-view or otherwise could be Moose versus Christian if of course Christian manages to retain on Friday against Mr. Myers um, and yeah there's some other good stuff going on in Impact as well like to, to go back to what you said a minute ago about the, the stars thing like AEW should not sign even one more wrestler I'm quite surprised actually that they signed um, what's his name Fuego Del Sol is that how I say it um, but I, uh, I think so yeah I was quite surprised to see him get Listen, a contract Flacco's the guy who did Spanish and speaks fluent Spanish <laughs> I ask him when you see him I'm I'm hoping you got it right so I don't get it wrong <laughs> well Ball of Sol got signed on uh, I think <laughs> the, the debut of Rampage and uh, I just remember thinking like well what are you doing with him 
Like, you've not got room for any of the guys you've got at the moment. Like, see, right, listeners or any ESSR panel members, see the next time you watch Rampage or watch Dynamite, watch how many people appear on screen in a non-wrestling capacity. It's absolutely disgusting. Like, not that all of them should be wrestling, but like Ruby every week with her crutch or Chavo Guerrero or the amount of times recently that the... um. Lucha Brothers or Death Triangle being on, t- uh, being on TV just cutting a promo not doing anything like there's so much just standing around of talent on AEW at the moment and yeah I'm hoping that this other fourth show is going to help with that but like just it, it's really really top heavy it's really like middle heavy as well and they've got all these jobbers that are coming through on you know dark and dark elevation as well so yeah AEW shouldn't sign any more wrestlers and these wrestlers should all try and ply their trade in Ring of Honor and Impact. Impact desperately needs new wrestlers, so if anyone is looking for a job, please go there. I'm sure Scott <laughs> Demore and D'Lo Brown and uh, what's his name, Matt Stryker will all be happy to see you the second you turn up at the door. Um, going by the stars they had in that 20-man Battle Royal, the Brian Myers one, I was like, you could have cut 10 of these and replaced them. But, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that. So, obviously, you mentioned not signing more people. Josh Alexander is the prime example of that. Ethan Page breaks up the north, goes to AEW, kicks about for a wee bit. He's now in a sort of thrown-together tag team with Scorpio Sky. Josh Alexander stayed in Impact and is now, like, their... Their workhorse, what the IC champion used to be, he's their mid-card champion who takes on all comers, and he's really, really good. But you mentioned a second show, you mentioned Emergence. I'm going to put something out to you here, right? And it's only, only one secondary show has ever worked out in the long run, and for me, that's SmackDown. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. But that is because... I, and and I'll, I'll let you elaborate on it, but I, I feel like the reason that was is when SmackDown started, they had Attitude Era superstars on it. And then by the time it had matured and, you know, post-brand extension, it had, again, backed up by superstars. But, like, how often is Kenny Omega appearing on Dark Elevation? Like... It's difficult. It's difficult to have a second show that works. I, I like that you mentioned Josh Alexander for two reasons. Uh, one, did you see that the first thing he did after Christian's win was was tweet him saying, now you'll have to outwork me, and then X Division greater than world title. That's a good way to get your. <laughs> that's a great way to get your division over because like yeah. nobody believes that Josh Alexander would end up in a ring with Christian and beat him, but like to have the gallusness about him, that that's what makes him a, a more believable um, champion. And the second thing is he calls himself the walking weapon, which works in 99% of the world. And then in Scotland, he just sounds like a bit of a fanny. Yes, yes. Um, reminds me of that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go very off topic before we get back <laughs> on the topic. But there's um, it's a thing called tweets. It's like things we didn't run by people in Glasgow. And it's um, obviously the term hun is a term of endearment yes. to most women in yes. other parts of, <laughs> of other parts of the world. And there was an article called The Honeyest Huns Who Ever Did Hun. Um, <laughs> and then 
I think it was the OK magazine. And the other one was in a pre-mark in Glasgow, and it was a T-shirt that said, I only date beasts, and it was a photo of Beauty oh. and the Beast. So, yeah, things that don't work in Glasgow, Ooh. and we're going to say no more about it. Yep, 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 done. But, um, <laughs> we mentioned the Fatal 4 way, Sabin, Callahan, Ace Austin, Moose. Moose, obviously brought out the TNA, the TNA world title out of retirement. Um, Christian, and this is a spoiler, has apparently retired the TNA title. The Impact world title will be the only title going forward. Sort of like when Brock Lesnar just took the WWE title instead of both the WWE and the World Heavyweight. One title, one champion. Um, a lot of people upset. I'm not too upset. The company's now called Impact. They've made such an effort to make sure people call Impact Impact, not TNA anymore. The TNA title was brought out by Moose at a time where Impact didn't have a champion because of the whole, I'm blanking on her name, Tessa Blanchard, to apologise. Oh, I wonder what you meant there. <laughs> she had held up the title and obviously they didn't have a world title championship. So Moose was a sort of good interim champion, but it's it's over now, you know what I mean? It's over. We're back to having a world champion. They don't need two belts. It's sort of like the undisputed title as well. Triple H had the two belts. Then in storyline, Ric Flair made one big belt and that was it, you know what I mean? Yep, uh, I'm with you on this. I'm torn because um, probably my favourite era of TNA was when this was the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. I think it's the best looking belt that TNA have ever had. Uh, and when I say TNA, obviously I mean NWA through to now. Every single one of the titles they've had in that time, that title that they've just retired is definitely my favourite one of the bunch. Um, but you're right, it was it was a storyline for Moose. It was a brilliant storyline. Um, I loved all the unification stuff they did with it. It was it was just good. It worked, and it was a great way to make people forget about the terrible end to the scenario with Tessa. Now, wrestling fans, in particular, Impact fans, cannot be, you know you know kicking off about this because that's not your world title like your world title says impact on it because that's what your company's called this is like fans complaining if somebody came out with that beautiful golden 2001 wwf championship and then it getting retired and being like oh but bring back that championship it was amazing um uh, yeah, I am actively it. trying to bring back that title, Chris. So that <laughs> does not work with me. That find another title. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like the the thing is that this this title that we look at now, the gold one with the red lettering, that is the Impact World Title. I'm very happy that there's one title because guess what? With Christian as your champion, you're about to have lots more eyes on the product. You don't want people watching it and going, oh, I thought I thought they weren't TNA anymore. I don't want to watch TNA. TNA was awful. This is their one chance to probably restart themselves for, you know, for the 15th time. But to actually restart themselves and for it not to go terribly. Like, see, before all of this, TNA, Global Force, they've had some terrible belts like in their lineage. They need one belt. And that's all they need to talk about. Like, don't get me wrong, there is room in TNA for a TV title, bringing something like that back. Don't call it the Legends title, guys. And um, but there's room <laughs> in in the product for there to be a mid card title that isn't the X division. Not everyone works in the X division, so yeah, there's room for that. But yes, happy that TNA belt is gone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's um, the two title thing. Like when people unify titles, like when 
Randy Orton did it and he looked so smarmy or when Chris Jericho did it it works but it doesn't work in the long run you know what I mean like eventually it ends up looking stupid like Triple H with the two titles looks stupid because he he was Triple H he was the game he wasn't trying to prove anything and then obviously once Randy Orton looked cool because we hated him so much we didn't want him to have one title he had two that pissed us off more Daniel Bryan the whole Wrestlemania imagery that worked but then when it got to like John Cena we like clipping them together and draping them over his neck and all that. It was, hated that. It, I hated it so much. It was so stupid. So yeah, one belt, one championship. Um, speaking of championships and multiple championships, Kenny Omega obviously losing that Impact title. A bit of a back and forth over who who vetoed it, who turned it down. But apparently, Kenny Omega was hoping to drop in the AAA Mega Championship to Andrade. Uh, AEW apparently vetoed it, that was the first report. But then the next report was that Tony Khan was fine with it uh, because they explained how he was going to drop the title. But then A, uh, sorry, AAA apparently decided it wasn't it wasn't going to work having him lose two titles in a week. He lost to Christian, so he can't lose to Andrade now. It's, it's not as like shocking and apparently they've set up another match so don't know who to believe but you obviously watched the you watched the match explain the finish to us Chris as you did to me before we came on air <laughs> so um, the, much like Rampage where obviously the end of the match was um, very well booked made both Kenny and Christian look strong the ending to Triple Mania's um, I don't even, is it called Mega Champion, something like that? Basically the AAA belt match, that worked quite well as well. Conan was in the corner of Kenny, while Ric Flair, of course, big surprise of the night was that he was in the corner of his future son-in-law, Andrade. Um, the finish, right, so ref bump, Conan's in the ring, um, Kenny gets his world title, which by the way, see what we're talking about, belts, that AAA belt looks disgusting get that right in the bin it looks like I, I, I don't know it looks like a pure terrible British promotions belt that they've like just tacked on at the back of some bit of leather they found down the back of a couch I hate it it's terrible and I hate it but anyway back to the match so Kenny grabs the belt and goes to like swing at Andrade but well sadly Ric Flair misses his cue to grab the belt off him because you see Kenny take like a step back to go swing and then he takes another step back to go swing, and then he takes a step back and looks behind him and basically gives the belt to Ric Flair. So Ric Flair, you know, puts the belt down. They have a bit of like chops with Kenny in between Andrade and Flair. That looked quite cool. There's another big stramash. Andrade goes for the pin, but there's no ref. Eventually, Kenny hits Andrade with the belt. One winged angel, one, two, three, retains the belt. So it's good because Andrade still looks good. He can, you know, could potentially take the belt off Kenny again in the future. And Kenny still looks good. It wouldn't look good for him as a wrestler to be losing two world championships in what I think was 24 real Earth time hours. I don't know exactly when these um, these uh, shows both went out, but I think it was 24 hours real time. So yeah, I'm happy with both bookings. I, I know that, as you said, there was reports coming out that Kenny wanted to drop the belt. Yeah, that's probably because you don't want to travel to Mexico anymore. Um, I, yeah, I've said before on the show, I, I, don't, I don't like one guy being different promotions, world champions. Uh, I, I think that 
Kenny should just be AEW champion and take the other two off him. We're halfway there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think I read somewhere that Kenny's now going to be going into a program with, uh, is it Crazy Clown, Psycho Clown, Scary Clown, some kind of clown in Mexico. They're all they clowns call down him there, if you ask me. Mr. Clown. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's what the next program's going to be. I think there's a program with Andrade and Kenny down the line in AAA. Uh, says me, who doesn't watch the product. Um, and I think they're probably after, um, what do you call it, all out, they're probably done with the Christian and Kenny storyline in AEW as well. Yeah, and it would be at that time that I would hope Christian just leaves AEW and goes full time with Impact. I think that'd be great. But well, the meat doesn't doesn't always work out that way. But anyway, yeah, it's a it's a weird, weird one. Um, just so much wrestling at the minute. I'm just looking through everything we have to have to talk about at the minute, and it's just a we've had Rampage debuting, we've had Triple Mania, we've had. We've got SummerSlam this coming weekend, but um, two six. Yeah, I mean, I think just now we have one wrestling program on every night for this week. Is that right? Between like Saturday or Sunday, so, yeah. gone straight through until NXT on Sunday. It's just oh, there's a lot of wrestling. Takeover, they are, they are. Yeah, just too much wrestling. Too much wrestling. That's why I can only come on the show every three months because it takes me about three months to get caught up with wrestling. <laughs> it takes you three months to watch that week's worth of wrestling. <laughs> it might be a week to the to the to the wrestling world, but you know each show is like four hours for Christ's sake. Yep, yep. The only reason that I'm probably watching weekly wrestling at the moment is uh, my favourite Mexican wrestler, and that is Juan Cena. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into what you call. We'll get him in, into him in a minute. Someone who will be wrestling this Sunday, Saturday, I should say, fell into that old trap uh, at SummerSlam against Edge. Seth Rollins recently spoke about his past storylines with his now wife Becky Lynch. He says he never wants to work on screen with her again, saying that he just he felt both of them felt uncomfortable being on screen together. They felt uncomfortable sharing very private life stuff with with people on a national stage. He said they weren't they're not people who enjoy like PDA and all that, you know, and all that being out there on screen just made them feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean it is weird that they even did it. I'm happy he said this. I agree with everything he said. It's different if it's heels, where it's like done in a smarmy way, where it, you know, Edge and Lita, that was brilliant. Triple H and Stephanie worked so well, could bring that back tomorrow, people still appreciate it. But like, see when it's like two faces who are with each other, it just comes across as a bit weird. Like, albeit like, I guess Matt Hardy and Lita were like a face couple on TV for, for, for a while when that first started, but even then, Lita was mostly just kind of Jeff and Matt's manager as opposed to like yeah it wasn't like oh my god that's his girlfriend it's all primary five yeah and so yeah I don't know like WWE were in a pretty terrible time 
at that time when they were doing the Seth and Becky stuff they almost didn't know what to do with any of their stuff and it's like alright default the belt back to Brock but yeah it wasn't wasn't great well done Seth for saying this hopefully your boss will listen to you well hopefully his boss listens to him and signing the Olympic gold medalist Gabe Stevenson Uh, Gabe Stevenson recently won the gold medal in Tokyo 2020 I was about to say 2021, the delayed Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Uh, Gabe Stevenson has recently tweeted out a waving emoji at Vince McMahon and tweeted out on August 17th, I will be at SummerSlam this weekend. Uh, Seth Rollins has offered to train him. That'd be great. We've had WWE have had some great success with Olympic gold medalists before and someone like Seth Rollins training him. I mean, hell, that would be amazing. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I saw this. It's interesting. I think it's very, very difficult to transition into wrestling. It doesn't happen very often unless you seem to be coming from, you know, uh, like a pro football background, whether that's like college football or the NFL. Like, there's only been one guy who's ever done it well. And that guy, I don't think any other wrestler has ever managed to even stand in his shadow. So it's very, very difficult to see this, especially with the current product. It was diff- it was different in 2001 for Kurt Angle when he had a lot of time to v- develop his character. He had a whole year of basically just being one character and then from 2000 onward, 2001 onwards he was a different character and then from like 2003-4 he was a completely different character again so yeah it, it's going to be so difficult for this guy to to have a shot in the WWE especially like have a noticeable shot it does help him that Seth has come out and spoken in his favour but like you know like Seth's background in wrestling has came from a di- very different style from the WWE as well so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, I like that he's tweeted, like, I will be at SummerSlam this week. I, I can't wait for this Saturday when he tweets his picture from, like, Rose Z or something in the stands. Free ticket. <laughs> Fuck you, McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just looking here. So, obviously, it, his very first Olympics in Tokyo, he won gold in a 125-kilogram freestyle wrestling event. And he has, well, there you go, coming from a Brock Lesnar-style background, in NCAA Division One bouts, he is sixty-seven and two. Wow! Yeah, that is an impressive record. Obviously, not everyone has went on to to the success. You know, I mean, Kurt Angle beat Bobby Lashley. Was talking about it on his Stone Cold Broken Skull sessions. If you haven't watched that, check it out. I believe it was Sylvester Turkai, short-time WWE ECW superstar who Kurt Angle defeated to qualify for the Olympics and his background just did not transfer over, so... Yeah, it, it, as, as I said, it's, it's so, so difficult, um, especially to get up to speed with the, the style of wrestling nowadays, because let's face it, WWE style wrestling's not anything like what wrestling would have been 20 years ago. I'm also, to my shame, forgetting about the other huge star of amateur wrestling who transferred successfully to the WWE, albeit it was the WWF in his day. I'm talking about the 1971 Amateur Athletic Union Greco-Roman wrestling champion, 
and 180.5 pounds gold medalist, the Iron Sheik. I like how you thought of this joke and completely weren't reading that off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, just in the back of my head, I was like, oh, wasn't there somebody else? I was like, oh my God, it was the Sheik. But yeah, he was uh, coach to the USA team for the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. Well done, okay. Sheiky baby. It's an ironic... I'm not even going to make that joke. <laughs> no, I was going to make a joke. I'll tell you when we stop recording. Um, anyway, uh, over to New Japan just now. New Japan Pro Wrestling have announced that Shingo, Takaki and Bushi have suffered from fevers on Sunday and will be left out of live events while waiting on COVID-19 tests. Meanwhile... Tetsuya Naito, Sanada, Evil, Gedo, Takahashi and Dick Togo were also pulled as precautionary measures after working an eight-man tag match involving the two men who had fevers. So this is their summer struggle tour. Eight men removed from the tour. Uh, Chris, you watch more New Japan than I do. How well did I do in the pronunciation? I think you just hit 100% on all of those, by the way. Um, very, very well, very well pronounced. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to claim Takahashi and just completely ignore that I ignored his first name because I have yeah. no way out of <laughs> No, that is, that is absolutely fine. Uh, Yujiro, I think, maybe? Something like that? I don't know. I don't know. But it's fine. If, if, I say it, if I say it, it sounds like it's borderline on cultural appropriation if I try to pronounce it. So I'm going to take the win and move on. But yeah, two men, uh, Takagi and Bushi, suffering from fevers. Uh, while awaiting the results of COVID-19 tests. So as a precautionary measure, six other men removed. Um, New Japan obviously starting to find its feet again worldwide. This is obviously an unfortunate incident and we wish we wish those suffering well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they've done, they've been quite smart with this. They yesterday announced the full card of what's going to happen instead. That's the great thing about um, New Japan's, you know, um, what's the word? Absolute loving for six-man tag team matches is that when guys get injured, you can just make it a four-man tag team match or you can make it a one-on-one. -on -one. So, um, yeah, New Japan have already announced that one of the six-man tags, I think uh, Toru Yano, uh, Makabe and Homa versus Chase Owens, uh, Takahashi and Jado is now just going to be Homa versus Grey Okan and then there's another couple of matches that I won't bore you with all the details but yes the New Japan roster is so stacked that not only can they afford to you know isolate guys that are suffering isolate guys that are close contacts like that they will still put ahead a phenomenal show if anything it might mean matches will go like 90 minutes instead of an hour so uh, yeah they'll be just fine and I'm happy that they're actually giving wrestlers the time off. I hope none of these guys are back after like four days or something like that. No, would you call it? Uh, you're hoping they get the time off they need, obviously, because we've seen far too often, not even just like COVID, but real life injuries, people returning far too, would you call it, far too soon and just yeah. making life worse for themselves. Absolutely. Um, look, uh, this isn't, I, I'm sure this isn't quite what you meant, but look at the story with Keith Lee. People were banging on like, oh, WWE have wasted Keith Lee. Where's he been for this whole time? And then that story comes out, I think a week or two, two ago about how he basically nearly died. Um, uh, likewise with, uh, what's your name? 
I can't remember his name in AEW, so I'm just going to call him. Oh no, it's Malachi Black, isn't it? I almost called him by his yes. uh, by his <laughs> by his old name. But yeah, look at the story with him and his injury. Like, there's so much that seems to go on behind the scenes in wrestling that um, when stuff like this happens, they they need to be given the appropriate amount of time off. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who was given the appropriate amount of time off and is now back is Will Osprey, Mr. Will Osprey, the former former, although he claims rightful, uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He returned last week at New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence and has disputed the current champion Shingo Takaji. He, <laughs> sorry, on you go. No, 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 you're good. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, New Japan changed recently. Definitely, I think everyone will agree with me on that with um, the unification of their top two belts and uh, using Will Ospreay as their first champion. This was a very strange time because the company had always been about their massive, massive guys, like guys like Omega and um, Tanahashi and uh, who am I forgetting about? Mr. Bloody uh, Rain Man himself. Like it's always big, massive figures in New Japan. And then all of a sudden Will Ospreay wins the, the main belt. And you know that then brought about the emergence of guys like Evil and Takagi nowadays. So it's it's cool this era that we're in. And don't get me wrong, I I completely agree with Will Osprey's dispute because didn't he have to give up through injury back in the day whenever that was? Um, so yeah, like they this should definitely set up a match between Takagi and Osprey. Hopefully that is what we will get now, right? Well, apparently that's what he said. His return promo was actually really really good. He said he broke his neck from New Japan. All he needed was four months away to rest up, but the company decided to strip him of his title. He said when John Moxley couldn't defend the IWGP US title due to travel issues, New Japan showed favoritism and refused to strip Moxley, but the first chance they got, they stripped him. I always love a heel with a good like, axe to grind. Yep, yep. A heel with a good He's, point. He said he'll be appearing at New Japan strong and defending his world title on the show. He was never pinned, never submitted, and therefore is the rightful champion. He has declined the opportunity to participate in the G1 Climax Tournament because he says, why do I need to compete when I'm already champion? So it looks like we may end up getting down the line Takaji versus, sorry, Shingo versus uh, Osprey. <clears throat> I can't do the story justice, but if you want someone to do the story justice, East Meets West, hosted by Grant and Scott, that is our, our New Japan like specific show. One of the only shows that survived the move from Patreon <laughs> and ESSR Extra. The only the only thing that wasn't blown up in the fire of the moving truck. <laughs> it's yeah. still about. But yeah, yeah. I, I really like the, the storyline going on here and I always love like Shawn Michaels and Sami Zayn when former champions return, having never lost the belt. Yep, um, CM Punk as well, of course, is the obvious one. CM I mean, Punk, yeah. lips, lips at the moment. Um, yeah, it's good. There's there's a story to be told there. And the best thing is, is the, at the end, and I, I don't know which way it's going to go, but at the end, when you've got one champion who's defeated the other champion, it makes them look mega strong as well. So yeah, this this will pan out quite nicely for New Japan, I think. And also, I do think Will Osprey would be a good champion because going up against anyone, I think he makes them look good and he'll put on a good match with them. 
It's just whether or not he can have a good match with like, like can he have a good match with Okada? I'll ask the East, East meets West guys that because I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a rumoured person that is apparently dying to work with Will Osprey. Um, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, reportedly done with WWE. Apparently his decision to walk away from WWE, or if he has walked away from WWE, is that he wants to work in New Japan. He wants to work in Japan, he wants to work on the Indies, and apparently WWE can't offer him that, but AEW can. And apparently one of the big factors of him wanting to go to Japan is to work with Will Ospreay. He's like top of it, top of Daniel Bryan's list. Yeah, this is where I, I'm not a good wrestling fan because I, uh, right, this gives me a platform to finally say it because I've said it to so many people. I am not convinced that Daniel Bryan has left WWE. Hear me out. I know that his contract is, has expired. I know that there's all sorts of talk of him going to AEW, etc. But I'm not convinced that he's actually left the company. After everything that WWE has done for Daniel Bryan, and like the the whole story that he's had of his whole career, I just don't see him being one of the guys that walks away to join AEW. I get that if he went to AEW, he can you know walk through that forbidden door and he could go fight in Japan and do all these things. But like, see if Daniel Bryan wants to fight Will Osprey, go and do it in progress, and you know get the viewers on Peacock and keep that sweet sweet WWE money. That's what I would. That's what I would advise him to do. Cause like, I don't see Daniel Bryan as being a guy that wants to have thirty-minute blood matches with John Moxley, or you know, have hour-long matches with Kenny Omega where he gets dropped in his head every two minutes. I just don't see it as much as I would love to watch them. I would have probably loved to have watched them ten years ago. Um, I I, I don't see the fact that Daniel Bryan has actually left. Well. I'm going to bring up, just so we can talk about the next news story, um, we were all convinced for ages that CM Punk hadn't left WWE. <laughs> Rampage is in Chicago, Illinois this week. The CM Punk chance will be deafening. Uh, the the rumours have been swirling. Is Daniel Bryan showing up at Rampage? Or is CM Punk returning to wrestling? Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Right, Ross, you have to get this audio out before Friday so that we can be proved right or wrong. Um, do you know what? It's got to the stage, honestly, where I think that AEW will have missold fans if CM Punk is not there. Because you can't do stuff like Darby Allen's Best in the World promo. You, you just can't, you can't, you can't say that and then and you know and then put tickets on sale and then for him not to turn out i don't think it's fair to the fans what i think they should do and unless uh, this, this isn't my own creation i read this online i think it's brilliant is start the show with um call it personality because you know that's a real song wwe don't own it they could just go get it start the show with call it personality bring out mjf like just absolute nuclear heat for it and then actually bring him out later in the night that's what i hope 
happens but then of course nothing in wrestling ever ha- happens the way you want it to um, I do hope he's there in some capacity um, I don't think Daniel Bryan will be there and this audio will come out with enough time for you to know this listeners before it actually happens <laughs> Can I do a Vince McMahon and tweak your idea and make it my own? Oh of course What if because I think the, the whole the MGF thing, because Paul Heyman did it as well, obviously. Exactly. Paul Heyman. I think fans will be expecting it. What if they did the Shawn Michaels in Toronto? Or Montreal, sorry, when Shawn Michaels was in the ring and Bret Hart's music hit and the crowd went insane and Shawn Michaels starts looking worried and he takes his jacket off and he's ready to square, do- square down with the hitman and then he just stops and starts laughing at the crowd. No one is coming out and he has planned that. What if MGF is in the ring, running down Jericho, running down AEW, running down Chicago, and then... That's a real guitar, ladies and gentlemen, I'm that skilled. (laughs) And you have MGF proper sell it like Shawn Michaels sold it, and then... You just stop and MGF... Do you know what would be better? Have the pinnacle in the ring with MGF. Have them not tell pinnacle that it's happened. Have them tell them, like, go get him, go get him. They, like, go halfway up the ramp and then MGF starts laughing. That's that's good. I quite like that. Um, it's entirely possible. All of this is possible. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we will get through this show without some involvement of CM Punk. It, ha- it has to happen. Um, in what capacity that will be like, I've got no idea. A- another cool thing, while we're fan booking Rampage, what about the Triple H Undertaker booking? What about, you know, n- not in any particular moment, CM Punk's music just hits. And he takes a long, slow walk up the tunnel, out to the ring, steps in the middle of the ring, stands for about 25 minutes while the fans cheat him and just as he puts a microphone to his mouth Daniel Bryan's music hits <laughs> because again Daniel Bryan's music is it was it Flight of the Valkyries something like that like yeah, that, yeah, that's owned. not a WWE song like he could do or you know whatever it is he came out to back in the day didn't he come out to Final Countdown or something like that he could do that as well both would be both would be huge moments then screw it, Daniel Bryan stands in the middle of the ring, puts the microphone up to his mouth, John Cena's music hits. No, no, no. That's I thought it. you were gonna go for the thought you were gonna go for the indie trinity. I need a hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh god. Uh. <laughs> no, what you were thinking there was, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Do you remember the um ICW show in Newcastle where we got Joe Coffey versus Cassius Ono as the main event and I was like I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought that about many a Joe Coffee match. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I remember Stacy that night. Uh, I went up to like high five Cassius as he was walking up the ramp, and he like just ignored me. And I went back to <laughs> Stacy and was like, Cassius Ono ignored me, and she was like, No wonder you've been berating him the entire duration of his match. <laughs> You're like Michael Scott uh, when he doesn't get cast for that play and he boos Sweeney Todd <laughs> and then Sweeney Todd at the after party refuses to talk to him. Like, you were the guy that booed me. No, a lot of people booed. 
I cheered. I cheered. <laughs> very valid. Very valid. Yes. Um. Oh God. Please, please, no, Chris Hero. Uh, God. That's not a possibility, is it? Where does he work these days? Nowhere. Good. It's got to be really harsh to say McDonald's, but I like Chris Hero. So. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was going to be really harsh, but I like McDonald's. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've seen my ass, yes, I very much do like McDonald's. <laughs> but. Um, it's the reason I get out of breath walking for the bus. <laughs> just for just for context, people, my bus stops across the road. <laughs> so we're obviously we're talking about surprise returns and debuts and a place that is famous for that is the Royal Rumble. Fightful Select is reporting that WWE are planning on moving the Royal Rumble to February this year. Gotta be honest, don't mind it. Either cause March WrestleMania's outdoor you're going to have to have it in the south somewhere or somewhere where it's you know where it's exceedingly warm all year round the road to wrestlemania is far too long at the minute you know it goes january a january to april i would rather like a seven week with one pay-per-view stop in between the old-fashioned no way out bang 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 here we go it's wrestlemania that's what makes it so exciting as opposed to this, you know, 15, 16 week slog that we have now with Fastlane and the obligatory Saudi Arabia pay-per-view flung in there. Yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting one because I do agree with you that something needs to be done about the road to WrestleMania. I do think that it works better being Royal Rumble, four weeks, middle pay-per-view, four weeks, WrestleMania. But, like condensing that more than the way it is like you you know that if that moves to february they're still going to try and fit in two pay-per-views between the royal rumble and wrestlemania and i don't think that that timeline needs to be condensed anymore i think that the elimination chambers have already been devalued massively because i feel like you almost know what's going to happen in all the elimination chamber matches before they start because you know the wrestlemania main events are booked from the royal rumble almost so yeah, yeah I, I'm a little bit worried about this. Um, is there any particular reason for this? Is this to do with fans? Is this to do with capacities, coronavirus? I, I, I've, I've seen people saying, yeah, it might be in February, but I don't really know why. I mean, I don't think anyone knows anything in WWE. Probably Vince just had a dream that said February was sensational. And all of a sudden, yeah, we're moving the rumble of February. It wasn't the, am I making up that the 2021 Royal Rumble was in February as well? No, it was so. It, no, it was. No, I know exactly when it was. It was January thirty first because it was my anniversary. Ah, okay. I was uh, waiting for me to go to bed so I could watch the rumble. <laughs> so selfish, uh, why spend time with me? I wonder. Yeah, I. I wonder if it's something to do with the weeks, way the weeks fall next year. I'm looking at a calendar now. Or, or, or do you know what? Do you know what it might be to do with NFL? NFL's. Um, they know, uh, we're diving into our other podcast where wrestling fans talk about NFL. Um, NFL traditionally will have a week between the, I'll dumb it down for you, Ross, the semi-finals and the final <laughs> of the NFL. They have a week in between where they have like... Yeah, I know, I, know, I know how playoffs work. I yeah. know how playoffs work. But they basically have like a, in that gap, they normally have like a an all-stars game where all the people not in the Super Bowl will play in this other game. Now, 
WWE traditionally go up against this All-Stars game because they know not to go up against the semi-finals and they know not to go up against the Super Bowl. Now, the NFL have thrown things into whack in the last few, uh, no, last season, and or is it this season? Yeah, this season, by having 17 games in their schedule instead of the regular 16. So the NFL season is a week longer. So I wonder if that has caused the uh, Pro Bowl, as it's called, to fall into February, meaning that the WWE's Royal Rumble falls into February. That's my guess. Hopefully, uh, I'm right on that, because <laughs> that, that's the only reason I can see to do it. There's there's no benefit to it being significantly later in the year. I can see it maybe being like a week or two later, but if if it's if it's more than a month later, then I, I think that may be just a bit daft. Yeah, um, so I'm looking just now, Oh, every there you go. Just to answer your question now, earlier since it debuted in 1988, every traditional Royal Rumble, minus the greatest one, obviously, um, has taken place in January. Rumours are that it's because WWE plans to do a pay-per-view on New Year's Day. Oh, that's interesting for yep. everyone who's not Scottish or. You know, like most people are like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I spend a lot of that day hungover. So uh, that, I, I guess that, that could be that could be interesting. Could be. I don't even know if I'm, I'm in a new job where I might have to work, you know, Christmas time and that. So I don't even know if I'm working New Year. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these, these are issues we'll have to discuss off the podcast. <laughs> well, no, I'd like to ju- bitch about my current situation. <laughs> oh man, I'm now desperately trying to find when the 2022 Pro Bowl will be to see if there's any justification in any of the stuff that I've just told you. Ah, oh, here, well, Ross, let me tell you. According to Wikipedia, the 2022 Pro Bowl is currently set for Sunday the 6th of February. So I wonder if that's when they'll have it. Maybe, maybe. Ironically enough, the 2022 Pro Bowl will also be at Allegiant Stadium, which is where SummerSlam is, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm just looking. Las Vegas. Yes. So yes. Uh, that that's my guess. My guess. My official my official line is that it it's they they're they are moving with the times. They are moving with the NFL, and that's why they've ended up there. All right, fair enough. Um. So we'll go into some. Some news that has SummerSlam implications. Um, it was reported during the week that Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair would not be cleared for SummerSlam. Now, um, according to PW Insider, um, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair have been cleared and both available for Saturday night's SummerSlam pay-per-view. Rumours of COVID or isolation or God knows what else, but um, the, the official line was unforeseen circumstances yeah i didn't really know where this came from i just i just saw this chat coming out that um that that this match might not be taking place i feel like this has to take place i feel like this is one of the biggest matches on the SummerSlam card i feel like a lot of wrestling fans aren't interested in the title matches so they need a match like this to sort of prop up the card um it does say that they were both cleared like in inverted commas cleared suggesting that they weren't cleared suggesting something was up this week which does sound a lot like some sort of isolation so it's a very strange one uh i've got a feeling this match will go ahead and we will not hear 
any more about any sort of clearance issues, but it does suggest that it was something coronavirus related. Um, it's interesting. WWE have never really met, like mentioned the pandemic or coronavirus at any point on TV. I think, I think I saw recently that they've only really mentioned what happened with Drew, but they haven't really mentioned it any other time. So, yeah, they like keeping their cards close to the chest on stuff like this. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another news: WWE has agreed in a f- an exclusive deal with Spotify. All their uh, podcasts and audio content will be exclusively on Spotify. This includes Corey Graves' After the Bell and the incredible, incredibly popular New Day Feel the Power podcast. Yeah, this is great because, you know, where do you get your audio from these days? There's a reason why we plug Spotify for all our ESSR shows. It's the home of music worldwide. So uh, it's a great move by WWE. They they now need to do stuff like they need to get all their music in one place. WWE music's a bit all over the shop on Spotify. But like the other day, I was making a play- playlist for someone and I wanted a playlist of all the songs that have been wwe pay-per-view themes and i just couldn't find it and i was like this is the type of stuff that wwe should be punting all the time and i don't know if you've noticed on their weekly shows like wwe are smashing everyone on social media like they have like the most what is it the most subscribed youtube channel in terms of sports they have the most subscribed tiktok channel in terms of sports like all like you know slightly more legitimate sports like NFL, NBA, uh, NHL, they've just got millions more subscribers than them. So why not take over Spotify as well? Like there's plenty of avenues here. And and also they love a musical guest. Getting in with the Spotify bigwigs will go a long way to them having folk like Cardi B playing live at their next show. It's just, it's a good move for WWE to be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Breeze has recently revealed they recently released Tyler Breeze that upon his return to, I don't really see how this is news, but we'll, we'll go with it. A wrestler <laughs> wanted to win title. Like that is essentially the story. His return to, um, and his return to, I was about to say TNA, because we've been talking about Krishna, I keep going to say TNA. His return <laughs> to NXT, where he fought the Velveteen Dream for the North American title. Tyler Breeze wanted to win the North American title in his first match back. However, Triple H nixed the idea. Um, I don't see anything that shocking here, Chris, just for the simple fact, you know, we know what happened with the Velveteen Dream, but WWE were very much all in on the Velveteen Dream at this time. Yep. Um, I think that Dream's run with the belt worked quite well. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that a guy who had came from big WWE was the guy to take it off of him. I think that would have been silly. Um, The way that uh, Tyler pitched it was that he was going to win it at one takeover and lose it back to him on another takeover. Well, straight away, I I feel like that's kind of a waste. Uh, I'd also like to say, I'd also like to echo what Triple H said back to him. That is that not everyone has to win a title. That's the reason Roddy Piper never won the world title. That's the reason Goldust never won the world title. Some people have gimmicks that are so good that they don't need to win a title to back them up. And I think Breeze had that. I think everything he was doing at the time, he sort of had a good thing going for himself. So, yeah, maybe maybe him as champion back when he was just NXT, Tyler Breeze, but not when he'd done WWE style and he became like this comic guy. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you talk about what he built for himself. Jushin Thunder Ligers had one match in WWE and it was against Tyler Breeze. Like, he had that honour, you know what I mean? He was Mr. NXT, you know, long before your likes of Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa, even Finn Balor, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, I... I don't think the the model gimmick needed it, and I certainly don't think coming down through no fault of his own, you know, his booking in, on the main roster had been horrendous. So yeah. why would you want the guy who's been on a you know two year losing streak to come take your secondary title off what at the time you thought was going to be your future world champion? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, Tyler Breeze there. Um, basically telling us that he really wanted to win a title, which I don't think is news to anyone. Anyway, um, news revealed on the bump this past week is that Goldberg challenging for the WWE title this this Saturday, I nearly fell into this Sunday trap, against Bobby Lashley has two matches after this Sunday left on his current WWE deal. And... Tell me if you can smell Saudi blood money, Chris, because he wants <laughs> John Cena. Oh, man. Right. See if you're doing Cena versus Goldberg. Don't waste it in Saudi Arabia. Because that is a big match. That is a big match that, you know, fans deserve. So don't waste it in a show where a significant portion of your fan base aren't going to watch. Like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love for this to happen. Like, that would be a good WrestleMania match. Like, get that on that card. It doesn't have to be any longer than, you know, seven minutes, whatever it is that Goldberg can do. But, yeah, just, I, I wouldn't mind this match happening. I, th- I think it's a good way to get both guys out of being involved in other people's storylines um, and not taking up too much of a, what do you call it, like main event spot, even though it will be a match that I have no doubt will go on late. Um, but yeah, yeah, I could, I could see this, this, this happening. I wonder what the other match would be, though. It'll, you know, I, I would love to see. I'd love to see Goldberg do like a three-on-one match against like a group of jobbers. Still, like now. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be funny just to watch Goldberg kick the shit out of a group of people for four minutes. Yeah, I guess like. Um... Uh, maybe maybe like some dastardly heels. This is where you need like 3MB back. Yeah, or the likes of the Singh brothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. There you go. Goldberg versus um, Jinder Mahal and the two guys whose name I can't pronounce. <laughs> well, no, actually, Jinder does have sidekicks now, but they're a bit bigger. They're, they're like in Mario where you eat the mushroom. Exactly. <laughs> Um, obviously, you talked about this match being a, a WrestleMania match. Two men that wanted to end their feud at WrestleMania. Uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre recently told BT Sport they were unhappy with the the ending of their feud. They felt it sort of just fizzled out. Yeah, that, this one's quite, quite interesting because when I saw this, the first thing I thought was, well, WWE must know these thoughts because there's no way that Sheamus and Drew say this publicly without WWE's knowledge they would go mental Um, so they must have spoken to the bosses about this 
in the past. And uh, it's a shame because that should have been a WrestleMania match. Didn't it? Did they not get the blow off uh, Backlash? Am I right? Or was it the month before Mania? I can't remember. But um, the yeah, blow it was off, the month before. It was Fastlane. That was it. It just it wasn't the justified ending that we deserved. And um, I've actually kind of completely changed my opinion on Sheamus. Uh, I think I said this on a previous podcast, but I watched like a. It was like a WWE 24 on him that was like 15 minutes long that came out around the time of Fastlane. And I just like the what I was so impressed with the work that he puts in, like that we don't see on camera. And since then, I've just really appreciated his work a lot more. Um, I, I definitely think that he's like, uh, what's the word? He is a big fish in the small pond of the, you know, I was about to say universal title, uh, big fish in the small pond of the United States Championship. I think that when he's fighting these other guys, it definitely feels like he's working down to them. I think he's better than fighting guys like Riddle and Ricochet and stuff like that. But it's difficult, obviously, when the main event scene in WWE on both brands is quite packed. So um, I don't know, maybe that this is something that they can revisit down the line. Because um, I don't think Drew and Sheamus would ever mind working with each other. I think they'd love to do it any chance they get. So hopefully this will come back around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another story, obviously, you talked about Keith Lee and everyone was like, oh my God, why is Keith Lee not on TV? It turns out he had some illnesses of his own, um, had some stuff to deal with. Um, he's currently working dark matches as well as working TV, so WWE can sort of redefine his character as the official narrative. Um, what's your thoughts on Keith Lee and do you think he's going to be one of the, one of the many NXT people that just kind of fall by the wayside um, I think it's that one I, I think that fans really got behind him in NXT and fans really liked when he beat Cole for the belt and there was just something missing for me I've never really got behind him as much as everybody else and it can, you know I'm kind of unsure about it uh, I, I don't see him coming up well he's up now being on the main shows and and being the massive star that he was in NXT, like they sort of proved that with him. Did he not lose his first match back against uh, Bobby Lashley? And uh, See, they need. Sorry, but, there was there was a bit of contention about him losing his first couple of matches, right? But you know, it's not as if he re-debuted and lost to you know Kalisto. He, he lost to the WWE Champion in a competitive match and then he lost to Karrion Cross, who's only ever lost once in WWE across all brands in a semi-competitive match. So it's not as if... Th this is something that's been Keith Lee's downfall ever since he's came up to the main roster. He has always been in the WWE Championship picture, but they don't have plans for him to win the WWE Championship. And I'm sorry, I know people always go, oh, this guy should be in the main event. See if it means staying out in the main event and winning or being in the main event and constantly losing. You're better off being out of the main event and winning because then we can build someone and put them into the main event. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's spot on. Um, I think that, uh, well, I think that 
Keith Lee, oh, I can't quite figure out what his ceiling is. I think that he has potential to be a future, you know, brand champion at some point. But um, the, the time's not right now. I wouldn't have him mixing with the main event guys right now. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. It's very difficult to judge because he's not a good talker. And I feel like guys are made just now by their ability to talk. So um, I, for me, the jury's still out on him, but I'm not sure. I think a lot of his goodwill is built on his independent character. And I think a lot of people in WWE don't have characters these days. So his character is an interesting one. I think he's a good promo guy, but I think I don't think he's as good as you know a main event guy should be. Um, but yeah, I, I I think he could be a form a future world champion. However, I don't have faith given the amount of people that have been released from NXT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we move on, because we're going to. We're going to end the show with a wee news, a new segment, sorry, but SummerSlam is this weekend. I'm going to read you out the card and I want you to tell me the one match you're looking forward to the most, okay? Okay. So we've got Nikki, Nikki Ash defending the Raw Women's title against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. You've got Roman Reigns defending the Universal title against John Cena. Bobby Lashley defending the WWE title against Goldberg, coming straight from a SmackDown vs Raw near you. The Usos defending the tag titles against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. AJ and Omos defending the other tag titles against RK Bro. Eva Marie against Alexa Bliss. Drew McIntyre vs Jinder Mahal. Sheamus vs Damian Priest for the United States title. Bianca Belair vs Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title and Edge versus Seth Rollins. Ten matches on that card. Chris, what are you looking forward to the most? I think there's some good stuff in there. I think I'm sad that there's nothing that has a build of more than a month. Uh, every single match on here... Well, I, maybe the Usos and the Mysterios is built a bit longer, but pretty much everything has been set up since Money in the Bank. And... Um, like I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Damien Priest potentially taking a singles title from Sheamus. I think that Edge and Seth Rollins will have possibly the match of the night. But uh, as I alluded to earlier, the match that I'm by far most excited to see is Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Uh, I have predicted this, right? I'm going to be delightfully vague here. One of the world titles will change. I don't see them doing a SummerSlam show like this and not have one of the top two titles changing, but I can't pick which one it is. And it's also like mutually exclusive. I think if one changes, the other one won't. And it's weird because neither uh, challenger makes sense to beat the champion. I don't think John Cena on a month build on Suicide Squad is good enough yet to beat Roman Reigns and Goldberg shouldn't be anywhere near the WWE Championship off Bobby Lashley, but like, who does beat them? Like, Bobby Lashley's a little bit more defeatable than Roman Reigns. Um, so I don't know who who these belts go to if they don't go here. So I am going to be sitting watching that show with my John Cena t-shirt on, hoping that he wins the Universal Championship. Um, I don't see it happening, but I want it to happen. Is that okay? Can I have that? Yes, absolutely. I asked you for your opinion. You, you gave it. 
What's yours then, Ross? What's what's the match you're most looking forward to? I'm going to go Edge versus Seth Rollins. Edge, since he returned. By the way, um, we talk about a guy putting someone over. Edge, since he returned, has lost more matches than he's won. And he's still been sensational. He's been so well booked. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Edge, Seth Rollins, a feud, seven years in the making. And I honestly... I I pity the match that follows us. I pity the match that follows us. And if I can talk about a match I'm not excited for, Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. I know we've had many a debate on whether Jinder Mahal is or isn't the worst world champion. Spoiler alert, he is. <laughs> I don't think he's improved since 2017. I know he's had injuries. I don't think he's improved since he first came to WWE in 2011. He didn't do a Drew like where he left and got good and came back and won the world title. He left, came back, did nothing. Month build, won the world title. We all had to suffer through it for six months. When we're back in front of a capacity crowd, Drew's feud is Jinder Mahal. And I feel so bad for the fact because Drew carried the company during the pandemic and Drew versus Jinder Mahal, even if Veer and Shanky, who are Jinder Mahal's new henchmen, are banned from ringside, it's not anything I want to see. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I feel like this was shoehorned in as a way to get Drew on the card and looking strong whilst not involving him in the title picture because obviously he's banned from doing that at the moment. They sort of tried to make a storyline out of it by making you know bringing up the whole oh we've been friends for 10 years thing I just don't think people care I don't think that um, Jinder's ever really proved himself as you said um, it, it is pretty telling that this is one of only two males singles matches on the card and the other one's Edge versus Seth Rollins like what are you doing with that match you can't put Drew on the pre-show so at some point during the main show we're going to have to suffer through this it's just really disappointing. Um, it would have been better if they had Drew versus all three of them. Like, make it some sort of gauntlet-type match and, you know, give something for people to cheat about. But nobody's nobody's going to care when this happens. Um, you're right, he's been poorly treated and uh, it's a shame that he's in the situation that he's in. But if you look at the card, there's almost nowhere where I could put um, Drew in. Like, it's, it's very, very difficult. Looking at it. Could we not have brought back a legend for Drew, for God's sake, instead of gender? But anyway, um, to end the show, I usually end on a wee bit of good news or, you know, a a wee puff piece. But I think a wee discussion that you can get involved in at home and can get us going. Um... Our own David Campbell posted, he's going to start doing this every Tuesday. He's calling it the GOATS question. And he posted a question in our Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community on Facebook. That's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. And he asked the question, who do you believe is the most underrated women's wrestler of all time? So we're wondering who do you think the most underrated women's wrestler of all time would be? Well, Matrai Tri Ornithum, and I do apologize if I've actually butchered your pronunciation. His pick was Molly Holly. Um, Sean Smith said the Jumping Bomb Angels. 
Uh, Alan Laurie says jazz and Jacqueline's have to be in the conversation, to which David Campbell re- agreed. Trailblazers. Um, this chap, I don't know if you know him, Chrissy Murray. Um, said having watched back some of the 95 stuff recently I think Bill Nicano and Alundra Blaze need to be held in the same regard as Trish and Lita just both completely superior wrestlers to the newer two yes and I stand by this Uh, I was watching back some stuff between like Wrestlemania 10 Wrestlemania 11 type uh, era and I was really, really impressed with the matches that these two had with each other. I think that they're, they're never in those reels of women's wrestlers that we watched. They're not in the intro to WWE programming, sorry. Um, I think they should be. I think that the, there was no women in the division at the time, so they were just battering each other week in, week out. And they're some of the best women's wrestlers like WWE have ever employed and I just don't think they get the credit for that if if I'm allowed can I expand on my answer absolutely I was hoping you would I have thought of a couple more that I'd like to throw in uh, I'd like to throw in Gail Kim and TNA for basically starting the knockouts division and carrying it for a long long time and I'd also like to throw in ODB who I think was just always so much fun I think regardless of what storyline she was put in um, whether it would be working with women or working with Eric Young, she always made it really, really funny. And she's like one of the TNA OGs that I, I really enjoyed when the company was sort of just getting going with the knockouts division. So, yeah, I'd like to throw out Gail Kim and ODB as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, to your point about them being like superior, superior wrestlers to the newer two, I think... I think Bill Nicano, especially, as is a superior wrestler to the likes of Lita and Trish. No, that's not a slight on Trish and Lita. That's a compliment to how good Bull was, I believe. Yep. Um, and the two of them, they had such classic matches for the simple fact WWE didn't have a women's division. They had these two. It was like, th- this was it. So this was your women's match on every pay-per-view if you got one. Trish and Lita, I feel they're held in higher regard. I, I think we look on that era with rose-tinted glasses. I think they were in a lot of multi-person matches together. I think a lot of their feud comes from TNA versus the Hardys and them being the managers. And the only singles match I remember them having that was really, really like superb was Trish's retirement. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't it really, really late on? Yeah, like I, I believe that was... I think there was one, Lita won the title, she eventually took the title from Trish, I think she ended like Trish's like eight month reign, and then I believe there was like Trish's retirement, which was in Toronto, so they had two main events, and I think so, I think it was two main events, this is WWE rewriting history, I'm trying to get the actual timeline, but I believe there was two, and honestly I think Trish had better matches with Mickey James, and I think Lita had better matches later on against well certainly Mickey James Mickey James is my pick for the most underrated by the way there we go yeah no I agree with that I think that she's going to be a Hall of Famer very very soon in WWE I think that she, she's just always been really really good for like from when she first came in and did the Wrestlemania match with Trish which was amazing um, she's such a good wrestler um, I, I feel like she was kind of wasted when she came back to WWE like most recently I uh, think she should have been one of the brand champions. But yeah, great choice. Yeah. 
Um, so there you go. That'll be our end. Our ending. Sorry, start that again. So there you are. That'll be our new show ending question for the week. We'll go to the goats question. If you want to get involved before it's asked on the show, then that's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Community. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Community on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation afterwards, why not tweet us? Instagram is Facebook is YouTube at Suplex Retweet on all those platforms. And of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, Android, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify. Don't worry, Android and iTunes listeners. We still have love for you. We haven't sold out to Spotify just yet because, well, they don't know we exist. But anyway, we haven't sold out yet. I want to thank Chris Murray for going helping me through this murky week of wrestling. Yes, and uh, I will end on the note, Ross, that Ric Flair is trending and we cannot possibly talk on the show why. <laughs> Just go and look at it. If you're, if you're, wherever you listen to this, search Ric Flair on Twitter and make sure your mum's not in the room. I'm Googling it. I clicked Ric Flair on Google, right? And all I seen was, the first one was, Dear Lord, I saw why Ric Flair is trending. And the other one said, do not click the link to find out why Ric Flair is trending. Is I, I it, agree with everything. <laughs> Chris, is it... Um, <laughs> sorry, some of the memes. Is it... Um, is it Hulk Hogan style reasons? Uh, well, no, it's not, not the most recent issue that Hulk Hogan had, but maybe one of the ones before then. <laughs> Right, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Oh, good God. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs>